If you've never been in a church today or something, it's gonna be it's gonna get weird. Let me just tell you. Well, I mean, we're gonna actually we're gonna we're gonna dunk people in water, and we're gonna be talking about being identified with with a person that we don't physically see right now, who lived two thousand years ago, and now we believe is currently alive. Um, so I, I just want you to hang on, just hold on, just come along for the ride, just listen in, uh, wherever you're at today. If if you are a believer and you don't really understand what baptism is all about, I uh, just want to encourage you. We do have sheets on all the little tables, this little sheet. What does baptism mean? Uh, just encourage you to pick this up and check it out. Kind of give some scriptural teaching and and kind of the tradition of baptism, what what it looks like in the history of the church. I'd encourage you to pick that up. I just want to introduce to you real real briefly. Baptism literally is just the Greek word that means to emiss, uh, immerse or dunk or dip. Um, when I preached on this back in April, I I read you a um, a pickled turnip recipe where it says you know you first you peel the skin back lightly and then you you slice it gently then you lay it out in the sun to dry and then you baptize it in vinegar because back then that's it just meant to immerse or dunk or dip but Christians picked up this term and it began to be used as as a form of identification um, even before. Christ came on the scene, there was this crazy wild-eyed guy named John the Baptist out in the desert. And, uh, yeah, and in, in Matthew chapter 3, we see this guy named John the Baptist out there telling everybody, repent and be baptized. And that all these people would come out, they would identify with his message and see that they were sinners who needed to repent and they would be baptized. The kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is at hand, he would say. And that they were, they were identifying that they were sinners who needed to repent in order to become part of God's kingdom, his coming kingdom. And then in Matthew chapter 3, though, we see this crazy thing. This guy named Jesus shows up. And John's like, whoa, wait, wait, I'm telling sinners to repent. What are you doing here? And he says, I must do this to fulfill all righteousness that, that he wanted to identify with John's message. John knew that he wasn't a sinner, but Jesus still wanted to identify with John, still wanted to identify with sinners. And Jesus comes, it says he goes down into the water, and when he comes up out, the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove, and then the Father says these words, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And this becomes the model, this becomes the, the standard, this becomes the type of every Christian baptism that would follow. That every Christian who, who believes in Jesus Christ, that he died for their sins and rose from the dead, that his death paid for their sins, and now his life is their life. They believe that just as Jesus identified with them in baptism, saying that he would take on sins for our, for our sake, we now get to take on his righteousness. So in baptism, we are identified with Jesus Christ. And we can say that everything that's true of Jesus is true of me. That the Spirit of God lives in me. He's promised it. That I am righteous. And that when the Father looks at me, He says, This is my child, whom I love. And Him and her, I am well pleased. Because we're now identified with Jesus. So today, I um, really just want you to see how our identification with the promises of God that we say in baptism, we celebrate 
this is true of me. I am forgiven. I am washed. I am rescued. Not because of what I did, but because of what Christ did for me. I want you to watch this short video. This video, just, just to prepare you, is nothing but scripture. It's from the paraphrase, the message. It starts in Romans 6 and then goes to Hebrews and then Luke. But this, I want you to hear the scripture. What it says is true about you. You run that. So there's a ancient tradition uh, before someone's baptized that you just ask them what they believe or ask them to testify, to profess what they believe and how God's moved in their lives. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, and it, it's just a real simple question. This is Greg and Linda Haitha. Some of you might be like, oh, these are our worship leaders. They're getting baptized. <laughs> but but that, uh, that's part of the story. So. Um, yeah, so so this simple question you just want to toss your way and let you guys deal with it however you want. How how did you come to know and love Jesus? How did how did this work out in your life? Well, for me, um, I was a really spiritual child. Like when I was seven, eight, nine years old, I had a lot of questions about God and about the stories that I would hear in Sunday school. So I'd ask my parents things like, "Well." You know, if Adam and Eve have children, well, like, who married the children? Because, like, you can't marry your brother, so, like, how did the human race come about? And things like that. So my parents would sometimes get kind of stumped with my questions, so they sent me to my pastor. So I talked to my pastor about the questions that I had when I was, like, 9 and, and 10 years old. The one thing I knew for sure at that point was that I had to be really a, a good girl because that was the way I was going to get to heaven. So when I was about 11... Um, my parents sent me to Christian high school because they just didn't like the public schools. So I went to Delaware County Christian School, and it was the first time I ever heard that it wasn't about me being good, mm. but it was about that there was somebody to save me from myself. And at 11 years old, I still remember the sense of relief that I had. It was a, it was a very tangible sense of, it doesn't depend on me. And so that's how I became a Christian. That's the end? Or the, the beginning? Well, I'll try. He's going to be a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I wasn't brought up in, I, I, was, I was raised a poor Catholic child. <clears throat> so my, my spiritual, not, nothing against the Catholics, just in my particular worldview, the Catholics were not teaching me some of the fundamentals of what we've learned here at, at Grace Valley. So it was right around the time of going to college that I had this insatiable desire for a plan, uh, a, a master plan of some sort. And, and it wasn't a spiritual thing. I mean, I thought it was going to be magical or something. But when I got to college, some friends told me about, hey, you should be a Christian. And I wasn't too sure what that meant. So they explained it like this. They said a Christian is someone who gets the most out of their life because they're living every moment God's will instead of your own will. And I said, wow, is that kind of like a master plan? He's like, yeah. I'm like, whoa, I'm in. You know, so <laughs> we and it was a, a few guys at that time. We prayed together and uh, this sinner's prayer. There was something like, yes, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I accept you into my heart. And it's kind of cool. You know, I'm in college. I'm away. And it's my first year of school. And I, I had something of a master plan brewing. But it was later that night or maybe the next night I had a dream that uh, didn't, it just seemed like a crazy dream, like a lot of dreams. But as I later became more understanding of the word and eventually went to seminary, some of these things in the dream uh, became much more significant. But I'll tell you what this vision was or this dream that I had. I was outside of our church 
where I grew up, and there was a big party. And all my friends, everybody I knew, my family, my parents, everyone was at the party. And I was going around as a party host saying, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And they were all like, yeah, right, whatever. And uh, I was having this party, and slowly people had excuses as to why they had to leave. And they would slowly, people that I knew the least kind of left first. And then, uh, and I was pleading with each person, please don't leave. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And so finally, it's just my immediate family, my brothers and my sister. And I remember just hanging on to the ankles of my family. Just don't leave. Don't leave. Jesus is coming. And eventually, they were all gone. I was alone. And at that point, the side of the church this is where it gets kind of crazy, but it's true. <laughs> the the ch- side of the church turns into this fireball or this orange glowing, beautiful, warm, enveloping light that starts coming towards me. And as that light is coming towards me, I am just just weak and I fall to the ground, my face into the earth. And I just remember my 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 nose touching the, the ground and the soil and, and, and just could not bear to be in the presence of this light. And then I woke up. And I sort of pondered these things in my heart, but later in my walk and my journey, um, the significance of one for me to learn later that it was Jesus who was going to come again if there was a second coming. I did not know that growing up. And then this idea of the the light, I think, is best described in uh, Ezekiel, where, as some of you remember, he he was not permitted to see God's face. He wanted to see God's glory. But God said, yeah, but if you you see my glory, you'll die. So I, I knew that. I saw that light, and I knew I could not look at this glory because of my condition or whatever. At the time, I knew that I just I had to uh, just exalt myself and to just go down uh, to the ground. Um, so the, the last thing that I didn't learn until I went to seminary was that uh, that that picture of God, when he created Adam, he reached down into the soil and he took that mud, Adam, from the mud to create us. I wanted to go back there. I was not worthy to even exist in God's presence. Uh, so those were the things that didn't come till later. And. I've been leading music in churches for 20 years, and you might think, like, wow, what's what's this guy doing getting baptized kind of late in the game? But, uh, in fact, somebody at Church of the Savior, where I led worship for a long time, said, it's about time. So it, it is about time. And I wanted to public and publicly confess that as I had been baptized as a Catholic child. It was significant because my parents did it, and I have talked to them about this, and I felt uh, out of respect I would continue their uh, legacy of having baptized me out of their love for their child. But now I'm old enough to speak for myself and give my testimony. And while it is not my story, I feel like I'm just part of a long line of Christians that are telling God's story of his glory. And it's just another uh, another angle, another revelation of the fact that, yes, it is true. God is real and he is saving people. Yeah, have you ever heard of the age of accountability? We think you're old enough now, Greg. You can make your own decisions. And we don't know if he's yeah. mature enough or he's old enough. <laughs> uh, and, Did I say that? <laughs> and Linda, what, what about you? Why why now for baptism? What's um, yeah? Just what's it? What brought you to this? 
this point now? Um, I was baptized um, by my parents when I was about, I think, like eight or nine years old, and it was in a beautiful church with stained glass and flowers. And being that I was a very spiritual child, it was it was very meaningful to me. It felt mystical, and it felt like something was happening, but I really didn't have any idea what it was about. So um, I, I wanted to, well, I guess the first inspiration came when Tucker got baptized um, a couple of years ago because he was the at the current time the youth director of the church. So I'm like, well, if the youth director gets baptized, probably the worship leader should get baptized too. <laughs> so um, for me, it, it was um, – it started – I started thinking about that. It's like I've never really been baptized when I really knew what was going on, and it was a statement from myself. And I've often heard that baptism is an outward sign of what you believe, but when Paul preached on it in April – he said, baptism is also for us because it's a mile marker that we can put in the ground to say, like, because of my salvation and my baptism on this date. What's the date? 26th. Okay, I got to remember that because I thought today, I got to remember this date, August 26, 2012. I put this mile marker in and say, this is the day that I was baptized. And um, so thanks, Tucker and, and Paul, for, for really motivating this in my life. Are you done? Did you say enough already? Yeah, okay, you're good. good. Okay. Yeah, uh, we can. Um, I, we're gonna ask um, now, um, Tom, if you'd come up. Tom has been a friend of the Hythus and a friend of GVF. Um, so, uh, just wanted to invite him up to, to pray over the Hythus. Tom has baptized three out of the four of our children, and he's about to baptize me. And I can answer the the question definitively is Greg mature he's absolutely not <laughs> mature I think that's why we get along so well because uh, of that but Greg's been a, a buddy for almost 20 years we've journeyed together um, uh, and uh, been through a lot and uh, love this guy and uh, and so appreciate his journey and uh, his uh, transparency his honesty his reality and of course you guys uh, picked that up by being here so I'm glad to be able to be here and share in the baptism of my two great friends here. So let me pray. Father, thank you for Greg and Linda. Thank you that uh, they are real. They are uh, teachable. They are servants. They they, uh, love you. They love each other. And uh, and they're growing. And I thank you that uh, you've given me an opportunity to, to know them and to journey with them and and you're giving this community here an opportunity to do the same, to uh, discover with them, along with your work in everybody's life here, but certainly in uh, in the lives of the Haithas and their family and their kids, uh, what it means to uh, grapple with life as it is with a Savior who is just so good. And so thank you for them and this uh, this uh, decision they've made to go public in this very uh, symbolic and powerful but simple way to declare that they are yours, they're your children, and uh, and they're forever in you. So thank you for the opportunity for us as a community to share this with them and, and for them to declare it uh, to us and to the world and to all the principalities and powers watching that they are forever and forever and forever the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords' children. Amen. 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 Well done. Thank you. Well, Miss Jackie and Miss Susan, if you'd come up and join us. That's okay.
start with Jackie. Uh, Jackie, just the, the same question I was asking the height is, uh, just wanted to hear you know, how you came to know and love Jesus and uh, yeah, how that's worked in your life. Okay. Uh, like Greg, I was brought up in a Catholic family, same thing. So I knew about Jesus. I knew there was a God who loved me. I had a family who loved me. I knew all that. Um, never questioned that I belonged in that family, never questioned that love, never questioned um, that this was someplace I belonged. But as I grew, I thought, there's something missing. Some piece of this is missing. I was baptized as an infant. And again, same with Greg. I don't discount that. I think that that was a piece of something, a piece of me, a piece of my history that, as I explained to my mom, who's still a Catholic, that I value that. And without that, I don't know that I'd be where I am today. I don't know that there would have been people praying for me all that time. So, um, you know, I, I don't have a fireball story. And, you know, <laughs> I don't even have anything where I could say I did all these bad things because... I didn't like I don't have that kind of a of a testimony, but I, I think that there's still there's incredible I value it more than anything that um that he picked me. That mm-hmm. that he said, I want you, Jackie, I want you to be in my family. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. There's a time I can point to when I actually made that um that commitment, that faith commitment. I remember it. Wasn't really discipled after that, but um went to college and kind of met people who began to disciple me and then sort of realized there were people in my younger years that were trying to do that too. And a grandmother who'd been praying for me, that's one of my earliest memories when we were sleeping over her house, probably with like four or five of my cousins being naughty, jumping on the beds and whatever. And I saw her next to her bed on her knees praying. And I said, Nana, what are you doing? She said, I'm praying for your soul, honey child. <laughs> but she really meant what she does. Yeah, she wasn't going to beat my butt. But she did. She she did. She prayed for all of us. And I think so many of my family know the Lord because of that, because she prayed for us. Um, so the reason I choose baptism now is, again, because it goes back to the, the sermon in April when I it was just clear to me that I was missing a piece. There was a part of me that that hadn't said, yes, I'll, I'll be obedient to that, um, partly because I thought I checked the box. And partly, you know, with that infant baptism, I thought I was done. And then and partly because I was a little like saying, yeah, here's she's been leading children's ministry all these years. and She's not baptized. And all those kids are baptized. So it was kind of a little embarrassing to say I wasn't baptized and I almost didn't want people to know that. So but that's not a reason I I know that. Um, And so I was just forever convinced um, from that moment. Talked to Paul that day and said, "Okay, count me in. I'm there. So that's kind of a. That's me, uh, and, and I, and I want to hold you all to this. I don't see Bruce in the room, but he promises not to go one Mississippi, two Mississippi. When he's dunking me. All right, so everybody's got to be with me on that. Yeah, you got, you'll, you'll help me out there. Is yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, what she's referencing there is, uh, I, I've asked if they wanted someone else. Like, you don't have to have an official, paid person to baptize you. Believe it or not, that all Christians are priesthood of all believers. That all Christians can pronounce the promises of God over each other. All Christians can say God forgives you. All Christians can can baptize. And so uh, so Bruce will be baptizing Jackie, and Mark, Mark uh, Susan's husband, will be baptizing Susan, and uh, Tom will be baptizing Greg. But I do get to baptize one. I get to baptize Linda. So I'm excited about that. So, But I, I say that to say that um, 
that that represents that's not that's a very intentional decision that I would love it if each one of you someday brought some one of your friends, your neighbor that you shared with, your coworker that someday you could have the privilege of baptizing them. Miss Susan. Well, being married to Mark, I have some statistics already. <laughs> out, of the, out of the four of us, three of us were uh, introduced to Christianity or at least encouraged in our Christian walk at uh, university. So <laughs> anyway, um, so I was brought up to go to church at Christmas and at Easter. I had a a Christian grandmother who was very um, moralistic, but but I, she was a believer, except that we didn't see that side of her. And uh, anyway, so really, this was a story of of, of heaven reaching down to me. Um, I didn't think I was a bad person, and uh, also don't like speaking in public. <laughs> so that's <laughs> why Jackie's here. Um, so I was at college, at university, we call it university, we live in a college and we go to university and um, I met, actually the, the course, this is one, so one miracle, I, I wanted to study in a course uh, where 5,000 people apply and 100 people get a place and actually I wasn't really bright enough to get into this course so I started out. Uh, this is not to degrade teachers. I started out in a, a teacher's college and um, I think God knew I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't really want to be a teacher. I wasn't very good at teaching. I wanted to be a, an occupational therapist and about two weeks after I started my teaching course, I heard that there was another 15 places in this therapy course. So I um, knocked on the door asked for a place, was told I really wasn't bright enough to do this course. <laughs> and um, I still said that I wanted to do it and I I must have kind of prayed about it, but I don't remember doing that. And I, I, I got a phone call the next day that said to kind of start this course and so I went from doing art to studying anatomy, which was pretty difficult. So anyway, I got into this course, I met Christians, um, I was also sort of partying along with the college crowd who were legally allowed to drink at the age of 18. Um, and I was just really, really impressed by these Christian girls who I um, hung out with. They had a piece about them that I had just not ever seen in anybody. They they weren't without their own problems, but they, mm. they were just incredibly um, peaceful. That's all I can say. And so I was curious about where this came from. And we talked about Christianity and it all seemed a little bit intense. Um, I talked to my mum about it. She said it, it's really about being a good person. And then one of these Christians said, would I like to do a Bible study? So we studied John's Gospel. We studied the resurrection. She asked me if I believed in the resurrection. And I said, well, of course I believe it. Why, why wouldn't I believe it if that's what God wants? So I obviously had some sort of a, a faith or at least I'd heard that story. And um, and then I had my Gideon's Bible and I had neighbours who were Christians who invited me to church and I was going to this church, I was reading my Bible and and I got to know Jesus just from reading reading the Bible and uh and the, the church I went to was just a great teaching church. I was discipled mm. and 
And really, um, God spoke to me through the Bible and uh, and through these the witness of these uh, Christian friends. Awesome. And so why okay, now? Okay, so baptism. Um, so I was baptized as an infant, not from a faith point of view. I'll have to tell my mom that one day. Uh, but it was I wore the white gown, and it was just a traditional cultural thing. And uh, so I really, for my kids, I wanted them to have a believer's baptism, and I. Actually, the church I went to said that infant baptism is enough. Um, so it really wasn't until you preached on it, Paul, and I had been wondering after a few of the dedications whether I ought to be baptized. And so the, I really felt that I needed to, to be baptized as a believer. Thanks. Well, we've asked um, Mark if he'd come up and pray for these ladies. And it's a privilege uh, for me. Uh, yesterday I was in a coffee shop with Peter Fay, and there was three of us, three men. And we were just talking about um, how moving it is when you go to a war cemetery. And uh, it was actually Phoenixville High School. They went there and they actually found the grave of somebody's grandfather. And uh, they were recounting the way that the Phoenixville band gathered around them and, you know, impromptu began to sing the American National Anthem, remembering the sacrifice of one who had died for, for so many. Today we're really celebrating the one who died but has come back to li- who came back to life. And the trust and the faith that both Jackie and Susan have placed in that one, who is Jesus. How much more we have to be moved, to be celebrating, mm-hmm. and to know that that is the faith that is within them and will continue for more, forevermore. So let us pray for them now. So I got a bit emotional yesterday. Just There was, there was three grown guys in a room, <laughs> you know, with kind of like tears in their eyes, you know, so is that moved by that. And that's why it just connected me, and that's why I'm feeling a bit more emotional now, because truly this goes so much more deeper, and it goes for eternity. So let's pray for these two ladies giving thanks. Father, it's str- I'm struck now by what uh, Susan says about the way that you reach down. It is remarkable, Lord, that uh, no matter where people are in the world, that nobody is beyond your reach. Father, it's striking, I'm sure it wasn't organized, that that video was set in Australia the one we've just seen about the message of your word. Father, we thank you that you reached down and touched that life that was Susan's. That, Lord, you reached down and touched that life that was Jackie's. Father, we thank you for what we've heard in your lives of the truth of your, that you are Father God. That you are God, Lord of the universe, all holy, all powerful, almighty. And, Father, you are also Father. That you reached down in mercy and in grace. In mercy, Lord, not giving what people deserve, and that is your judgment, but rather withholding that for when people trust in Jesus and his sacrifice. Father, that you are a Lord of grace as well, giving abundantly that which people, that which we don't deserve, and that's your love, your eternal love. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you are upon Jackie and upon Susan, and the way that you've blessed so many of us in this room through, uh, through them, Lord. Father, we ask, and we call upon your promises now. They already attest to, and we ask, Lord, that you may never leave them, nor forsake them, as your word says. But, Father, that they may know that today and the days going forward, in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. And we have just a minute before we're going to um, we're going to head up the hill.
and gather the kids and head all up there and um, and do the baptism. There's one last thing I wanted to share with you guys. It's it's uh, just a, a picture of what happens in baptism, of what we mean with that you're changed, that your identity is changed from from who you were to who you are in Christ. You see, the, the scriptures are going to be really clear about who we are apart from Christ. The scriptures are going to say that apart from Christ, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying and cravings our sinful natures, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. As it is written, there's no one who is righteous. Not even one. There's no one who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. Together become worthless. There's no one who does good. Not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice their deceit. Poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Apart from Christ, I am dead. I am sinful and angry and lustful and lonely. I am worthless and anxious and bitter and jealous. I am broken. I am scarred and marred. I'm disrespected and foolish and stupid and dirty. I'm self-righteous. I'm unloved. And I'm lost. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, that's what some of you were. That's what you were. But that is no longer true of you, Christian. Because you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You were baptized. Don't you remember? You were identified with Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God has filled your life. The Father has declared over you, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, and him and her, I am well pleased. You've been washed, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been forgiven. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered the new country of grace, a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's the burial of Jesus. And when we're raised up out of the water, it's the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a new, light-filled world by our Father. So that we can see where we're going. Though your sins were scarlet, they're now white as snow. In Christ, I'm white as snow. Father, we declare that not only over those baptized today, but over all who truly believe in you,
The world cannot tell us who we are. Other people, even our family, our parents, even our own heart cannot tell us who we are, Lord, that we stand on your word, on your promises alone, that you can tell us who we are, that in you we are forgiven and rescued and saved and set out for a new country, Lord, for a new life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.